0: Welcome back, everyone, to the A24 on the Rocks podcast, my favorite podcast to listen to five people talk about A24 movies in order, and I just happen to be a co-host on here. We also drink adult beverages. Um, This episode's going to be about Green Room, and I hope you've seen it before you continue listening, because there will be many spoilers ahead. I'm Kelly, I'll be the host of this episode, and tonight I am drinking a Topo Chico hard seltzer. After me comes my husband.
1: Hi, I'm Eric. I am also drinking the Topo Chico Hard Seltzer Exotic Pineapple uh, because this is the drink I'm going to drink on the desert island. I'm going to be abandoned on listening to my favorite band.
2: Up next, we have Kevin. Good evening, world. My name is Kevin Kacon-Konachek, and tonight I am drinking a Michter's Single Barrel Straight Kentucky Rye Whiskey uh, because I'm back on the sauce, and I certainly enjoy a good rye, and Michter's is... uh, one of my favorites so yeah happy to be back
3: hello world this is Colwyn whitlaw gibson uh tonight i am drinking an american rye whiskey from sagamore spirits located in baltimore pretty delicious real strong up next we got my boy blaze
4: hey what up guys it's blaze with your old ryan but tonight you can just call me odin um, t- just, like, just like this movie subverts expectations, um, you would think this would be the perfect episode for me to drink a PBR. But no, it's not. I am drinking Florida Man, the Double Pale Ale by Cigar City, a little brewery down here in Tampa. I I've think he's had out, it. bitches. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Appropriate.
2: Cole, I'm sorry I didn't introduce you. Hey, okay, it's My okay,
3: Captain. you know what? You, sometimes <laughs> you just get used to being forgotten.
0: <laughs> oh. oh, no. With this drama behind us, we're going to talk about a movie called Green Room. As Blaze kind of already hinted at, it's a story that maybe will subvert your expectations. I know that's a theme that I plan on us touching on tonight. This movie, if you don't know, is from 2015. It's a thriller horror about a punk rock band that is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. If that doesn't pique your interest right from the get-go, I don't know what's wrong with you because that sounds like a hell of a movie to watch. I might be biased. We'll see how it goes as we continue listening. This is a movie is written and directed by Jeremy Saul Neer. Um, he came to fame in 2013 after making a another movie that is a bit of a revenge story called Blue Ruin. Has anyone on here seen that movie? It's
4: amazing. It's amazing. I saw the trailer.
0: <laughs> I hear it's amazing. I was surprised. It looked really good. Having seen this one and hearing good things about that one that he doesn't have a lot more under his belt. He has a Netflix movie called uh Hold the Dark that he directed but did not write. So I would like to see more from him just based off of what I'm hearing about him so far. There's a lot of actors in this movie that you may have heard of. One of them, probably being the most star power, is Patrick Stewart. We also have Emojin Poots, Anton Yichin, and a cast of other characters. But I wanted to make sure we touched on those three. Anton the Yelkin. Also...
1: Sorry. Uh, just uh, before we get uh, into this. Anton Yelkin.
0: Yelkin. Uh, they make up a... Well, our main characters are a DC punk band um, called Ain't Rights, and the story takes place in the Pacific Northwest. I'm kind of seeing this movie as like four acts to it, but before I even start talking about how I kind of broke up this movie, um, I want to get, is this everybody's first time seeing it? Who was it your first time? First. First time. Second or
4: third? Second or third. All right. First
0: timers, we're going to start with Cole. What did you think this movie was going to be like? And without giving us entirely too much, what did it end up being like to you? Um, <clears throat> so I
3: had heard that this, basically this was described to me as a a weird horror movie. So I kind of went in with that that kind of mindset. Um, I, you know, I knew it had dealt with a punk rock and neo-Nazis, and I thought that was kind of a cool concept. So I was pretty excited about this movie. I'd been wanting to see it for a while, and it's been on my... Uh, my backlog for, for, uh, many years now. So I was very happy to see it. And, you know, at the end of it, it was, it was definitely, it, it did a lot of things and was, did a lot of things differently than I kind of expected, but, uh, I enjoyed it. It was good.
0: Kevin, same question to you.
2: So, um, for me, uh, this movie kind of Fits by some of the other big A24 titles that I had kind of heard of in passing without knowing anything about it, and certainly not being part of the film circle at all. Um, So when we did get to it, um, I was anticipatory of it because it was kind of a name that I'd already heard. I watched the trailer ahead of time and I kind of got an idea of what I was getting myself into, Um, but at the end, it was a lot more smart than I thought. I was getting myself into. It had a lot more A24 qualities coming out than I thought uh, going into it. I honestly thought I was just kind of getting into a slash-and-hack thriller, horror movie, run-through-the-woods type of deal, and what we got was a lot more of a, a realistic portrayal of uh, of life and of people and of of a very specific scene that maybe we don't get a lot of exposure to. So it was a big surprise for me coming out the end, and uh, that's pretty much my take on it.
0: Yeah, no right answers, but I think both of you kind of walked right into my trap of what I was trying to ask you. <laughs> Blaze, on your second watch, anything that you kind of caught or appreciated or didn't appreciate on this watch?
4: Uh, no, I, uh, I I remember it very vividly. I, I saw it um, during the pandemic. I remember that specifically because I uh, listened to um, this YouTube channel called uh, Red Letter Media and they review a lot of movies that I might have flown under the radar had I not uh, watched them and they highly suggested it and i mean to say anything's like overtly different from my first time watching it no no i don't think so i think it's just as good as a movie i do think it does a great job at like kevin said the realism of the situations that people are put in and then just uh the icky feeling that the uh director puts us in is uh something that i immediately grasped onto to be honest
0: and Eric, I'm going to throw it to you too. On this second watch, any kind of like themes that stood out to you more or things you appreciated or things that just different thoughts and feelings and expectations this way, this time around?
1: Different themes? No, I don't think so. I, I think what I actually didn't notice before is that this was placed in the Pacific uh, Northwest. And I liked the scenery at the start that uh, just kind of thought that just outside of, you know, very liberal cities like Portland, there does hide these uh, kind of working class, alt-right countercultures that are just right outside of, uh, you know, big cities like Portland or even L.A. This kind of secluded bunker slash Nazi bar can just be, it, it could be down any road that uh, you think of when you're driving in these rural areas some, somewhere.
2: So, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well said. I'm going to start talking about the band that we kind of follow throughout the movie. And I know, Eric, you've been in a band. Has anyone else on this podcast been in a band? I have. As well. What did you like or dislike about the way that these members of the band were kind of introduced? And the way that I think pretty early on were shown a lot instead of told a lot about them and about the way that they work together kevin do you want to kind of riff on what i'm laying down
2: absolutely so the first scene that we get right off the bat is this uh wonderful shot scene of this cornfield and this van kind of sitting in there and very quickly we come to find out that the driver was clearly maybe drunk and had crashed into the cornfield and passed out behind the wheel. And, you know, the band starts ripping on each other on whose fault it is, and it doesn't matter, we have to go get gas. And just, like, the interaction they had amongst themselves was, yeah, we pick on each other, and we probably don't like each other sometimes, but we come together when we need to, and at this point we have to get some gas and get the situation done. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed kind of the, the quick introduction to everybody's character. We get the... Um, I'm going to be bad with, with actors all, all the way at the bat, so I'm going to go with maybe Fyunkie. Uh, This whole time, uh, as as an arrested development uh, reference, Um, help me with the actress's name, somebody. Alia Shawkat. Who is it? Yeah, thank you. Um, Her playoff with with Anton Yelchin. Yelkin. um, Yelkin. Thank you. Was very obvious right off the bat. Um, I just really enjoyed their kind of play so to answer your original question it felt like a band it felt like a group of misfits that were kind of thrown into a situation and they had to get out of it Um, we see some interaction with them about how they go on to their next gig talking about getting six dollars to get paid in in a Denny's um, you know those things like that's what you do when you're in a band you look for any opportunity under the sun you play for the music and especially in a band that doesn't make any money you're just doing it for the sake of doing it so i thought that was very very uh, accurate very real uh, and it certainly set up the rest of the film because it kind of gave you a camaraderie aspect like these people are going to be together so whatever happens to them is going to suck even more because they're close
0: yeah, Eric, you want to kind of weigh in on that too, that dichotomy of band life and relationships between the characters? Yeah,
1: like, so I was never in a punk band, but I definitely was, like, around punk bands in the Detroit scene, and uh, that definitely reminds me of some of the crusty punks that I'd be around, uh, just going around siphoning gas and, you know, probably sleeping on somebody's couch every night, and uh, I I really enjoyed uh, how they had no social media presence, and it kind of reminds me, um, I mean, this is, obviously this band's probably not even close to as, you know, famous as uh, Parquet Courts, but Parquet Courts was a band that I really like. Uh, they're still around, and they have no social media presence, and that seems like a very punk thing to do. And yeah, I, I just kind of like the depiction of this very small indie punk band, and how they are sticking to these kind of old rules of punk, the of old counterculture that was really established in 1970s punk and really like living the life of it and you know nowadays it's very hard to make a living or be famous in that uh or you know have your band take off uh when you still stick to those rules you know like no social media but i i like how devoted they were to the scene and uh the the feel of
0: punk cole i'm gonna come over to you next so They pretty early on were introduced to this fellow punk, you can tell because he has a Mohawk, who is kind of hosting them and is gonna interview them for a radio. Uh, Since you are someone who always points out your attention to detail, what were your thoughts on kind of how his home was set up and the way that they kind of introduced and gave us, not that we needed to know that much about the interviewer himself, but even the small details such as please like, Park your car down a bit so no one goes through your stuff, like these kind of details that they added and kind of made him more of a real character. Even though it's not like he was a shining star.
3: Yeah, I think um, like the the way that they developed even like a small character like him was was very well done and felt very real life. Like it didn't feel like a movie. It felt like just a bunch of punk rockers that are you know gonna give this guy an interview so they can crash at his pad. And, you know, drink his beer. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty cool start to the film. And I thought, it. yeah, uh, I really liked the scene where they were played in, like, a Denny's for the lunch, you know, show or whatnot. Felt, like, very real and relatable to, like, just basic bands that are trying to make a buck. And then, obviously, the, the, uh, the big tough guy had to show that he's a big tough guy that knows jujitsu and stuff, so. Uh, I I you know I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good way to start the film off, and uh, and then lead them down a, a path that you know put got because I you know I wanted to know how they got to this neo-Nazi camp. So it was interesting to see how they got there when they obviously weren't a part of that group. So
0: I enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was good writing. I think yeah, that is set up in a good way. Blaze is someone who regularly siphons gas. Just kidding. (laughs) I
4: only do it for the taste, okay? This is... Yeah. (laughs) Only one dollar. Do you
0: want to weigh in, Blaze, on what I'm calling... This is kind of our act one. Just establishing everybody, showing the focus of obtaining money, and how they end up in this bar that takes... As the scene of most of this movie, anything that you kind of want to weigh in as far as establishing shots and characters or anything Yes,
4: Yes, yes. First of all, what everyone else said was completely right and true and wonderful to hear through my ear holes. Uh, The thing that I liked most about the first part of this movie, and no one has touched on it yet, but um, Eric got close when they were doing the interview with the guy. And he was like, oh, you have no social media presence. So that was cool that they set up that, you know, they won't be missed immediately by any of their fans and then i believe it was pat or might have been tiger they said something about music about how it comes in fast and loud and aggressive and it just leaves and if you look at the uh movie itself how it's set up they get into this nazi camp and it gets loud real fast and then in the last scene it's basically complete silence so it's The director telling us this is a movie that you have to experience, you know, all the uh, trials and tribulations, and you're going to feel a lot of emotions. Other than that, I thought the establishing shots were great. There was a lot of cool, like, shots of the van going, like, up and down, like, the little wee hills. The way that the movie opens with them in the uh, cornfield or whatever. They can tell a story without telling you exactly what happened, and that's what makes one word that I'm going to use a lot in this movie is authenticity, and it feels very authentic how everyone would act in each every situation they're in. So I think act one is all about how cool the authenticity of these aren't movie characters. These are like how real people would act.
0: Yeah, I like the way that you just said that because I definitely felt with these characters at the start. Not like I was watching actors, but like I was really just kind of peering in on a band. So I'm saying basically the same thing you did, but I agree completely. I don't feel, it just, authenticity, 100%. So I would call this part of that movie act one. And it starts to shift over during what for me was my favorite scene the first time I watched it and then loved it the second time too, when they get to the skinhead bar and they kind of catch the vibe right away their decision when they're going to go up and start their set is to play Nazi Punk's F-Off by Dead Kennedys. And the bravery of this band to do that took my soul out of my body the first time that I watched this. And we have spitting in the crowd, we have screaming, like it scared the heck out of me when I was watching it. And I think that's such a good way to get started into a thriller horror. So this scene for me is huge. And I just kind of wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on it. We don't have to have everybody weigh in, but I imagine it probably left an impact on all of you. Uh, Cole, let's start with you on this one.
3: It, I think the part that I loved the most about that whole scene, would be, you know, was obviously it was very uh, dramatic and, like, people were throwing bottles and pissed. and It was funny because they started dancing to the music and then all of a sudden they realized what they were singing and a lot of people sort of died down. But the part that I loved the most was... You know, we talk about how sub- subverted our expectation was. I, when that happened, I was like, "Ah, oh, so this is how the movie's gonna go. Like, this is where they're gonna reach their like breaking point where it starts to get real spooky." Uh, turns out, not the case. Went uh, like a completely different direction that took me way off guard, which I loved. The fact that it, you know, kind of threw in this almost like a secret Trojan horse with the song, and you're like, "Oh shit, they're just gonna these, they're just gonna get rushed, and then, then it's gonna turn into a madhouse." Uh, yeah. But no, it did it. You know, surprisingly, the neo-Nazis were very uh, tame during that scene. So I liked it a lot.
0: Kevin, we always talk about music with you. Oh. This is kind of the first time in the movie that actual punk rock gets blasted in your face. Yeah. And before that, it's a lot of atmospheric. I was calling it, I always use this term, but I call it like planetarium music. And mm-hmm. we had a lot of kind of that over the, like overarching landscape shots and establishing shots this is the first time you get blasted with oh like raw sound and i imagine you have a pretty good sound kind of setup so yes. thoughts on that
2: Uh, I have a lot of thoughts uh, on that and the scene in general, so I try to keep this as brief as I possibly can. So um, the juxtaposition between those two things that you just mentioned I have on my notes as being a very, very clear intent by our writer-director, clearly giving those long establishing shots with the trees, with that atmospheric music. I was reading an interview with a filmmaker, and they were talking about how it was kind of John Carpenter-esque with some of those um, long, very... uh, established musical tones that kind of not really creep you out, but establish kind of a peaceful tone that truly breaks as soon as you get to this club, which was fantastic. Um there's a couple of the cool facts about the the cast in general when it came to that scene. Um so Jeremy uh Sanye, or however you pronounce his last name, it's horribly he- i apologize sir but anyway he initially gave them four uh, tracks to listen to and memorize and then he expected them to learn their instruments and basically perform that as if they were a live punk band performing it so they meticulously had to practice and, and learn that and they kind of felt like they became a band while they were going through that so why that's why that performance feels as raw and as tight as it does is because they really go through the motions and take the time to kind of uh, master what it would look like in that scenario and when you're you know an actor or actress and you have to put yourself in that mode it's really important that you get it right um so that was really cool you could see their effort the choice to play f off nazi punks is a punk choice right but we almost see uh, our main character back out of it at the last minute and then we kind of get some more play off of our two um you know main characters uh, off of that uh, but the cinematography of that scene I'm sure we'll get to it when we talk about the cinematography but we get those slow motion shots of the guitar and bass moving up of the mosh pit going around and the freaking music just stops and we get this silence and this over and I'm just picturing it in my mind as I'm describing it it was so good it was brilliantly done, well-choiced that entire scene was awesome and I'm rambling because I could talk about this forever because the music was just so good um, but they really did a great job so just points on for them just great job
0: Yeah, ramble on. Feel free. (laughs) Blaze, do you want to touch on this kind of scene? I feel like everybody should have an opportunity to speak on it.
4: Oh, absolutely. So this is, like, one of the most brilliant scenes in the entire movie, in my opinion. And, again, I'm going to quit going to this crutch of authenticity. But the way that, like, for example, in uh, Barely Lethal, another movie that we um, reviewed, uh, we had a lot. There were, like questionable things that people did, and we called them plot holes. Now, playing fuck off Nazi punks in a Nazi bar is a pretty dumb move, we can all agree. But it was not out of character based on the uh, characters that we had already, you know, gotten to know over the first 20 minutes of the film. And then where Cole said, oh, you know, like, I'm surprised they didn't, like, rush the stage, you know, when they were singing it and, you know, beat the shit out of them. Well, because in real life, that's not how people work either. So, like, there was obviously the the neo-Nazis that were pissed off and they were spitting on the ground and giving them death stares, but, you know, this wasn't the time or the place to, uh, you know, exact revenge. So, again, the cinematography was beautiful. I loved the the way that the punk uh, music, like, um, faded into, like, this almost, like, classical music when they did the slow motion part. And, you know, it's just a great way to set up the scene that they're in, the type of people that they are, and the type of people that they're dealing with. So again, it was, it was a brilliant uh, scene and the way that everything set up and worked together. So I, I commend to everyone involved in that scene.
0: Last but not least. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I um, wanted to
4: go back to that radio interview, and
1: I'll tie it back to this, but. What they say when they talk about their no social media presence, Pat says, No one wants to starve, but if you take it all virtual, you lose the texture. And then uh, the radio interviewer asks, What do you mean, texture? And then uh, Pat's like, you gotta be there. The music is for the effect, it's time and aggression, and then Reese comes in and says, it's technical wizardry. Uh, Tiger later that scene also says, I won't live to be 70, but we won't touch on that yet. A little for- <laughs> foreshadowing there. But yeah, that's what, you could feel the texture in the scene. When the music dropped out and you just saw, you know, just the whole room and everything, you felt the texture of punk, and you felt... Uh, the time and aggression—like you don't need to even hear the music to see all these people moshing—and you you see like the time and aggression of, of a live performance, you know. And yeah, it's just something that's like, almost kind of lost these days. Is these like, small punk? I mean, like I you know Nazi bars that that sucks, but like it, small <laughs> small punk bars though, uh, they're not you know not as big anymore and seeing that kind of scene uh recreated is is kind of cool uh
2: jeremy Sanye had a bunch of experience growing up in the punk scene in the pacific northwest i think it was the pacific northwest anyway he's got a ton of experience which is why that scene felt as realistic as it did because he has seen that bar probably a thousand times and was able to recreate it um and that was kind of something that was kind of a passion project for him so we kind of were able to see that uh clearly come through on the screen
0: something that he said and i wrote down the quote was that he wanted this movie to stand the test of real musicians scrutinizing every frame. I think that even right away like he does a great job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad that you touched on that Kevin. Yeah. Something I liked after Eric and I watched this movie together the first time is that we went through a Dead Kennedy's phase. So that was that was a highlight for me.
2: And do you see that she was wearing the Dead Kennedy's shirt that apparently yes. they picked up at a thrift shop mm-hmm. which was pretty cool.
0: Yes. So after this as we're entering into act two murder is discovered and i need i know i need to start pacing up kind of the story and we're not going to go through (laughs) everything but there's a lot that goes on you're introduced to the band that goes on after them and they are black metal socialist or national socialist black metal is what what they're yeah um, they're scary. We've got the scariest guy, Worm, who has done the, done the crime and they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You think that our punk band that we're following, like Cole kind of said, is going to get rushed by them, but actually it's they witnessed something that they shouldn't. And then we're kind of introduced to this neo-Nazi group almost in tears this guy's gonna run the charge on how we're gonna handle this situation to start with, but he kind of answers to this other guy, and then they all answer to Patrick Stewart. So, I know we're going over a lot, but Cole, I want to hear from you first on this as well. Patrick Stewart's introduced, what were your thoughts on seeing not only him, and I'm sure for me he's Professor Xavier, to see him play a role like this was quite different, and the way that his character handles the situation.
3: Yeah, I I uh, I was I knew he was in this movie, and I was waiting for him to show up. And uh, when he showed up, I was just like, you know, fuck, yeah, it's Patrick Stewart. It is, you know, Professor X and all this other, and, you know, Star Trek and stuff. Uh, I think, like, this is a role that I've never seen him even close to portraying in any film, but I think he absolutely nailed it of... of you know, he kind of nails that line of, you know, everyone reports to him, he he is in control of everything, he's like the mastermind, the, the leader of this whole conglomerate, but he also has that very kind of almost calm and cool and collected, but to like kind of a scary level, where he's just, you know, when he does raise his voice, it's very quickly, and then it goes right back down to just being calm and cool and... He did a phenomenal job. I really absolutely loved his character as much as you can love a, a neo-Nazi, but like he, <laughs> he, he, he crushed it, which you know, I think we all knew he was going to crush it, but just all those interactions of where you don't even see him, and it's just his voice on the other side of that door. I mean, just awesome. He did such a good job.
0: Not to jump into the negotiation scene that happens between that door, but I'm going to do that. <laughs> Eric, what were your kind of thoughts on Patrick Stewart? Not only with his presence, but the way that they this movie establishes the hierarchy of who answers to who, who handles the situation what way, and then the way that this negotiation is handled. I know it's a lot of questions, but...
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, did you had to write them down.
1: It made a lot of sense, because in the end, they're basically just a gang, and uh, usually you have... Like the gang leader that kind of slowly brings people more into the fold and, you know, tries to uh, corrupt them and that you smart, you start people out with smaller tasks and then you amp up how much violence they can do, you know, and also, you know, everybody obviously answers to him because, you know, the gang leader obviously also is the one, it's like a pyramid scheme. They, and they end up with the most money in the end. And so it just all made sense. He would be the one that would have to come there and do uh, the negotiations with this band. And you you know that he has ulterior motives when he's talking to them. And there's such a good drama intensity, intensity to that scene because you can tell how much is kind of going on under the surface with uh, Darcy Banker played by Patrick Stewart. You can tell this man has he has a lot of things up his sleeve for sure.
0: Blaze, there's some other characters in this, in these scenes. We have Gabe, who for me, I kind of thought he was like the bar manager. He's the guy who initially is like, just everybody calm down. We have big Justin with his gun and <laughs> it's not full of bullets. So just get these words straight. And Clark, who I'm just calling dog guy. Out of these characters, <laughs> oh, and one more, Amber, who's Emojan Poots, who is also in the room with our band. Out of all of these characters, who do you want to touch on? Who did you gravitate towards? I hope you don't pick a skinhead, but, you know, if a character's <laughs> well-written, you can talk about it. <laughs> um,
4: I thought that all four people that you named, um, I thought they all brought their own uniqueness to the story. I'm, I'm not going to remember these people's names because they weren't really said that much. But um, the uh, the bar manager guy, he really seemed like his whole life was wrong place, wrong time. And he really just seemed like the middleman in what would I would call a neo-nazi hierarchy like he did not want to be there you know towards the end he you know he may or may not have a change of heart Big John he was kind of actually funny the way that he you know interacted with the characters he was definitely a true threat but the way that he interacted with the characters especially at first you know like uh you know we're not holding here you just have to stay here Um, He was kind of like a voice of authority, and I really wish he would have survived a lot longer than what he did. And then a blonde punk girl who turns out to be their friend towards the end because Worm killed her friend. Uh, On this watch of the movie, she's like one of my favorite characters. She's so ruthless compared to the band. Like, she has seen some shit before, and again, this movie, I'm going to keep going back to it. Like, there's parts in this movie where other movies, they would spell it out for you. So... The way that she comes off makes her feel like a genuine person. And the shit that she does, like, cuts Big John's stomach, like, right up the middle when they're choking him out. You know she's seen some shit before. You know she's done some shit before. And she does it with such ruthless abandon that you know, like, you know her past without them explicitly telling you that she's a badass, so she was my favorite out of the four. But, no, they all of them brought something unique. And then, and then Dog Guy was kind of cool, too, but uh, he he seemed it seemed more about the dogs than the Dog Guy, but he was definitely his own special brand of psychopath.
0: But I am, I am going to throw it over to Kevin now. We have this <laughs> cast of characters that we're all talking about, Patrick Stewart's included among them. I know it's a lot that we're talking about, but give us some of your thoughts on this first go. See... Excuse me. Seeing this movie, introduced to all of these characters, who kind of stood out, what kind of pieces of the writing maybe stood out to you? You know, leading questions. Yeah, so of please, course. please follow. All of
2: those things. <laughs> all right. We'll start with Sir Patrick Stewart, because I think that he's uh, a very uh, key point, obviously, as being the main bad guy. I was looking at some interviews and he took this role uh, mainly because of the strength of the script, but also because he truly was drawn to the idea of playing this bad guy. Uh, so I thought that was unique too, that he wanted to play it because of the, the true ruthlessness of this character and the meticulousness of the way it's written. I really thought that it was very intentional to have all of the bad guys be so planned and so well written out versus the the chaos of the punk band and the, the chaos of their of their decisions on the fly. Just like the, we're going to run out and do whatever we want to do or I'm going to give the gun or just making these decisions because they have to versus the planning of... of the way that sir patrick stewart's character brought everything to the table um he was talking about halfway through the script he needed a tall glass of scotch because he was absolutely terrified while reading it and i think it does come across that way when you're watching the film that you really do feel that anxiety i was uh talking with my wife about it i'm my heart was racing from basically start to finish on this film Um, and that's a true testament to a lot of the character work that we do get to see um we touched on some of the bad guys and kind of how their work um kind of played off of each other um the bar manager man i forget his name it was um he's actually a Gabe. close personal game the actor himself is a close personal childhood friend of uh, jeremy sanye um, he plays the main main character in blue ruin um so if our listeners want to go back and check him out in that he's the main protagonist there but he did a great job and he was complex in his own right he didn't feel like he was totally on board with what they were doing there's a big deal at the end of the movie where he kind of just walks off into the woods and goes and gets the cops so his character is complex jeremy runner go he goes on as saying is he wants every character no matter how good or bad they are to be flushed out in 3d and he did a great job we felt like even the skinheads themselves worm had a character aspect to him um Clearly, uh, we have our, our main Nazis having character aspects to them. Even Daniel and the whole subplot about running away and trying to leave the Nazi life behind him, they all had characters. So, like, in a 90-minute film, we're able to take all of these different characters, quickly throw them in a huge pot, and get a super realistic, down-to-earth, crazy-feeling movie, and it's all based on the strength of the writing, uh, and particularly in the character work. So... Fantastic job by a writer director there. It made everybody just shine through across the board.
0: Well said. Eric, Thanks. for you as a screenwriter, yourself, at this point in the movie, we're about at the halfway or about to be coming to the halfway. Where should a movie be at this point? Did this movie accomplish it? What kind of feelings did you have? Because the pacing's going to change a little bit soon. So I wanted to know, while you're watching up to kind of this negotiation scene, up to when the arm is thrown out the door and a gun is taken and the violence starts happening, what were your feelings? How was the pacing? Thoughts on this?
1: Uh, The pacing was phenomenal. Like I I felt like they truly introduced us to all the characters very well before we got into the action. And then when we get into the the thriller slash action aspect of the film definitely gives you a claustrophobic feeling like because they are kind of stuck in a room and further it that then they're stuck in a house in a way and it's almost like a house of horrors with dogs running around and nazis running around machetes and everything (laughs) and the pacing was great because i think in the end this is a thriller and when you know we start getting the action uh it it doesn't relent in a way like there's small lulls but not long enough to make you feel safe and that was fantastic. And then I, just, like, okay, going into the introducing of the characters, I like how they fit. Each member of the band definitely fits the trope of the instrument they play. Like, Tiger, uh, knows jiu-jitsu, he's the drummer, obviously. Uh, you know, he's the badass that is, you know, he'll kick ass and take names. Tiger is the singer, and he seems like he wants to be kind of, like, the most likable in a way. Like, during the radio interview, I felt almost kind of like that, but, you know, he's, like, kind of the cool guy. And then uh, Sam, the guitarist, she's the most outspoken of any, ev- uh, everyone in the band. And the bassist is, you know, like, I, I feel like uh, Loki, like, the smarter, uh, the smartest of them all, and kind of the real talent, um, as all bassists are, because I'm a bassist. <laughs> I I loved the uh, introduction to all, all these people, though. They definitely set the scene and pace it so well before they get into the action, and then when the action starts, you're in it, and the drama is... High intensity and wonderful.
0: Blaze, did you want to touch on what Eric was saying? You were looking like you had <laughs> some riffs. Oh, I thought I thought
4: Reese was the jujitsu guy. Reese is yeah. Uh, Reese, yeah. I, I thought I did. I not say that. Tiger. Oh, sorry. Tiger, tiger. Tiger's
1: the singer. Reese is the drummer. Who's the <laughs> jujitsu guy?
4: Yeah. I was say Tiger had green hair, so that was like one of the most obvious characters to remember the flip <laughs> flop. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of green in the green room. Yeah.
4: Yeah, there was, was, was a lot
1: of green. I'm was looking at a the lot ca- of green in this Just movie. looking at the cast list and I just mixed up the two. That's
4: it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay.
0: All right. this, okay. Excused. Cole, we're getting back on the rails. And <laughs> Let's do it. we're talking about this part in the movie where the negotiation goes, eh, okay, we'll give you a gun and out goes this guy's arm and when it returns it looks like something else. So the violence, the violence begins and it's shown on screen and I wanted to know kind of your thoughts. It's always kind of important to contextualize how violence is used in a movie. Did you see this amount coming? Did you we're talking about expectations as Uh, as well. Yeah. Well, how'd you feel? Uh,
3: So like at this point in the movie, I thought it was going to be like, okay, so this is going to be like kind of like a weird escape room type thing where, you know, it's not going to be ultra violent. It's going to be a lot of just like tense negotiation as they're trying to escape. Uh, And then the gun thing happens where he sticks his arm out and uh, he's like screaming. And I just, I just thought that people were just like beating up his arm or hitting him with a baseball bat and trying to get the gun out of his hand. Uh, but when he pulls his arm back in and you, like, see his hand almost, like, completely cut off and the whole arm lacerated and stuff like that, I was like, holy, <laughs> my my reaction was just, holy fuck, this is, this just got <laughs> ratcheted up to 11, like, Jesus, yeah. that was not what I was expecting, like, yeah. it went from, you know, Patrick Stewart's just out there, like, we're trying to have a negotiation, I just don't want you to have a gun, I don't want anyone to get hurt stick your arm out, and then a bunch of kids with red shoelaces just fucking start going ham with a machete on your arm. And that was probably one of the the scariest things about this movie or, like, one of the, I guess, the more brutal aspects of this film is, you know, on a lot of horror movies, there's <clears throat> people getting shot and all that stuff, and, and some people do get shot in this movie. But, you know, the thoughts of, you know, them using the dogs to kill people and machetes and, like... I don't know, just the thought of, you know, being hacked up with a machete is like way worse than just getting shot and dying, right? Like super visceral and and just pretty pretty crazy. Kevin
2: I mean, um, we get a line later in the movie where Sir Patrick Stewart, while he's talking to the Red Laces, he's basically like, if you're going to shoot, shoot once, and if Mm -hmm. you shoot more than one, shoot a cluster, because you're going to be digging out the slugs later. Yep. It just goes into the whole idea that he's so technical about keeping everything clean, and you can tell he's done this before. I mean, we get that scene where he pulls the bloody bat out of the trunk, and like, it's very, shit, we have to clean up, because we're a bunch of Nazis, but it's just super technical the way they did it, and I just was uh, appreciative of that.
0: Blaze?
4: Um, So, going off of what Cole said, where, like, it was a good horror movie aspect to it, in any other horror film, when that guy puts his hand out, he comes in and his arm's just a little, like, stub, right? It got cut clean off. In this movie, it's fucking mangled. Like, you can feel, like, the pain going through him. There's, like, a deep cut here, his uh, pinky's half off, like, and he's screaming to high hell, like any normal person would be so i'm just saying the authenticity of it because much like cole when i remember first watching this film i thought it was going to be die hard core punk it turns out that it's a lot more violent than i thought i was going into and that's where the vileness comes from this movie is very good at being vile and showing really human debauchery and that's where the horror comes through for me like it's very thriller in the aspects of them trying to escape and it's very thrilling, the fact that, you know, they're up against a crime family. But the horror comes in in the, just the brutality of how they go through. And, the, and Kevin said, the methodicalness of uh, how these people operate. It would scare me, because if I was in the same situation, I'd be just as dumb as, you know, these guys. So that's where the real horror comes in for I, me.
2: I love it how we found a way to make the, hor- the gore a- Develop the character more right so he could have let go of the gun on the first slash but he holds on to it for what four or five different slashes we even get the line where the the drummer says you mm-hmm. hold on to it longer than i would have so in that gore moment we still get the idea that he's trying to hold on to hope for his band and for his you know his life and it's not just gore for the sake of gore it's well placed it's per- it's meticulously put in there um, and he's going on record as saying this was full frontal gore. He's not walking away from it. He absolutely knows exactly what he's getting. I mean, like clearly, right? The the dog scene. I mean, you could go on and list the amount of scenes that we we see that are just gratuitous graphic violence, but they all make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the best part about
0: it is. Eric, full these frontal.
2: are.
1: Yeah, full <laughs> frontal
2: gore. Full frontal. The <laughs> said, yep." yep.
0: <laughs> Eric, these are all these band members. They don't seem like they're prepared for this kind of life or death scenario, and they're going to make choices like real people would. Except for maybe Amber. She's, like we've kind of said, she's seen some things. I feel like when I was watching this, you can't really help but put yourself in their shoes. What would I do? What would I attempt? And then eventually we get to the point where they decide we're just going to go out the front door, or we're going to dig a hole in the ground because I see a little bit of light. What were your kind of thoughts on, did you find yourself sitting there, what would I do in this scenario? And did you like the choices that these characters made? And how did you feel when they decided to go out the door?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I watched it with you, and I was telling you, yeah, I would not have just went out the front door all (laughs) willy-nilly. Is it realistic? Yeah. Because I feel like when you get that much adrenaline in that situation, you might not make the best decisions. Um, Personally, I think when I saw the heroine, I would have been like, I have all your fucking heroin in here, and I will torch it all if you don't let me leave. And, like, the second I saw the her- I saw the heroin, I'd be like, I have a lot of money with me right now. I'm going to hold this hostage. I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to, maybe, like, if I know for sure they're going to kill me, I'm just going to completely destroy all the heroin, because then a drug dealer is going to kill them for all their uh, all the heroin they lost. So I think that's what I would have, Maybe, like, if I was actually smart enough to do something in that situation, which I've never been in that situation, so I would never know, that's why I would have done. But yeah, going out the front door, not the smartest idea, but, like, I think in terms of the movie, uh, it introduces even more action and more drama to the situation, and it definitely works, for sure.
0: Yeah, I would hide, I think, (laughs) I mean, I know what I would do, I would hide as long as I could, but the one character says the longer we wait in here, the more time they have to strategize out there, which I think raises a great point, and I'm glad that they kind of touched on the thought process behind something that I myself probably wouldn't do. Cole? Uh, I just wanted to touch on Eric's
3: thought about burning all the heroin, Big disappointment on my part of this film that that didn't happen because I felt like there was so much foreshadowing (laughs) about the fire and the whole because of the fire hazard and not blocking the hallway. And Patrick Stewart even called it out. And I was just like, (laughs) something, this shit's going to get burnt down and never happens. Big disappointment. I, you know, I was reading it all into the foreshadowing. And what a letdown. The, so. It was an excuse
2: to use the fire extinguisher <laughs> yeah, as yeah, the main piece of defense. I, I get why the fire, like, it was, like,
3: all about to build up so that way they had a fire extinguisher, but I'm like, fuck, you know, they don't even have to build up. You know, no, you I, hope I there's a fire, cool. fire extinguisher. I foreshadowing for yeah, sure on, yeah, on I, the, I thought it was gonna happen. So, yeah. But I think it was, it was you know, another case where he was, like, a fake Trojan horse. Same thing with the, you know, the Nazi song at the beginning. It's like, I'm gonna make you think something's gonna happen, and it's not gonna happen, and you're just gonna have to fuck deal with it.
1: So. But I think yep. I was also saying when I was watching this, like, I would have done what Pat ended up doing at the end. I would have done the most chaotic thing possible and just, like, started slashing shit, and making a bunch of noise because, like, if you started just throwing a wrench in their plans or just doing something completely nonsensical or chaotic, it might confuse them enough to where they don't know what the fuck's going on, and then that way you can try to get away. Maybe that's why I would do it, but...
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. We, we still get the super classic horror trope of let's split up. Yeah. Like, out of <laughs> all of the awesomeness that we get and the realism for everything, he's still gonna be like, let's split, you know, that's super classic. We see that in all of our favorite classic orders.
4: So,
0: yeah. Blaze, did you find yourself, like, rooting for one character over the others when all of these escape attempts start and when Daniel joins the gang you find out kind of what happened between him and Emily did you find yourself like oh I hope this person makes it to the end or this person's making the choices that I would did you feel Mm. like you could see yourself maybe embodied in any of these characters or you were really rooting for them
4: well I was rooting for the punk band all the whole time you know obviously I guess if I had to gravitate towards anyone I thought uh Breeze was definitely the strongest and the smartest out of all of them. And the girl from uh, Arrested Development was definitely the most savvy. So I guess those were the two. Like, uh, Anton was really, I thought he was going to be the, one of the first ones to go because he was, you know, mangled to start with when they made their escape. So congrats for him for, you know, being the uh, end girl boy. It amazes me how quickly Tiger and Breeze died, considering how much, you know, we got to know their individual characters. And again, when you talk about subverting expectations, when they make that rush outside, you thought they would go to like, you know, level two Nazis, you know, and then there's like, you know, they beat the underlings. Now it's like the boss with the crowbar, but no, they get attacked by dogs because guess what? In real life, Nazis wouldn't play fair. So the dogs rip these guys' throats out. The iconic Patrick Stewart line, oh, he's still breathing. That's good. That's a, you know, longer time of death. Mm -hmm. So we can stage this so to, I, again obviously i was rooting for everyone i don't think anyone like i don't think this band was necessarily like good guys but compared to nazis they're definitely protagonists so but as far as like relating to anyone i think they did a really good job in especially when they start dropping like flies you, you really learn not to get attached to any certain character if that makes sense so um yeah i really i really liked Breeze because he had the you know the karate skills and I really liked the girl from Arrested Development just because she was swarmy, and... Brees? Oh, I'm sorry. No B. No B. Just take the B out. Take take the B. Lose the B. A
1: lot of names in here, so... I I was
2: rooting... uh, When it got down to the final two, when it was just those two, and we were getting down to the final, like, let's go moment with the face paint and the monologue, I was actively rooting for them at one point. I even wrote down my notes, like, they've got me rooting. Like, it was you know, the fourth quarter, third period, we're ready to rock <laughs> and roll. Like that was definitely had. it was one of those things where for me uh it's not my kind of film. It really isn't. And I'll get to this when I'm when I get to my review, but I was kinda of like doing one of these where I was watching through my fingers. I was just like, <laughs> Oh what are you you know, it was just so good. Fucking good.
0: Cole, weigh in on that but also tell me how scary are dogs?
2: <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean I mean like
3: dogs that are trained like fighting dogs are absolutely terrifying. And I think they, like, made a good depiction of that. And also, you know, in a situation like that where you're not planning to fight a dog, it's very, like, I you know, I don't know how I would react. If I come out and I'm expecting a bunch of Nazis with machetes and, you know, a bunch of, you know, big-ass pit bulls and stuff, fucking cops aren't coming at me. I don't know what I'm gonna do in those situations hop up on a counter I guess but one thing I really loved about this film that we were talking about is just how fragile humanity is or just people in general and how quickly all these people start dying and like Reese who is like the big badass who took down the what big John or big uh, you know big Justin and like snapped his arm and fucking you know put him in a chokehold and took down that guy like basically single handedly and was all amped up and you're like this guy's about to be like an action hero right like a superhero he's about to go out and he hops out a window and immediately as soon as he get like hops out there's just nazis just waiting there and they just fucking stab him in the back and now you're done like game over it just, doesn't matter how strong or how good of a fighter you are or anything like that you know one wrong move and someone stabs you in the back and it's over
4: so i just i thought they did a really good job with with that aspect so again talking about the characters i do um love this about it because in, in, in a traditional like thriller or horror movie people would get like better at things you know like when you go on to the next escape room they're like aha i learned something but it seems like both sides were like progressively getting dumber which i feel like as desperation sits in for both sides like that feels like very very real and cool like when they bust out the front door they give um the shotgun to arrested development girl who's you know one who didn't want the gun when they had it in the room you know the uh the pistol and number two like she's obviously weaker than anton so like what was the like thought process like we're gonna bust out the front door and we're gonna have a girl like just shoot at the ground because you know she's kind of uh you know i mean anton weak. had a
1: fucked up arm at that point i don't yeah. I guess, okay, yeah, yeah, okay,
4: you know what, I yeah. guess that makes sense. um But, yeah, I just love that, like, these characters were human on both sides. Like, I like how there was no, like, aha moment, you know, like, here's the the key to the back door, you know. It's all like, let's do something really stupid, because I did this paintballing once, you
1: know. <laughs> I, I actually know so. exactly what you would do in situations with dogs. I'm a mail carrier, uh, and I've been trained on this. So... What you do is put something in front of you so that the dogs usually will attack whatever's in front of them. And so if you have a mailbag handy, which of course everybody does, you put a mailbag in front of you and then they bite the mailbag. And that's when you're able to attack the dog because they will just be munching down on the mailbag or whatever you put in front of them uh, because dogs, yeah, that's what they're trained to do. They will run after something and they will bite whatever is just in their path. So...
4: But what if, what if that dog breaks Darby Milton's uh, lunch pail?
1: <laughs> then, fuck oh, Derby Milton.
2: Yeah. Oh.
1: Callback. <laughs> deep deep cut bank. Yeah. Cut <laughs> bank. For, those, for those listeners who are curious, the
2: watch cut, cut bank. bank that deserves now. a cough. <laughs> deep cut bank. Yeah, that was that was good.
0: Nice job. Wow, wow. So, remember. unlike the pacing of this movie, I am gonna rush to the ending. <laughs> 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 and we have. At this point, Pat and Amber that are left, they get a pep talk, they get some face paint, two lackeys are sent after them, which they do get the upper hand on. And then we're finally outside of the green room. We move on to see what Patrick Stewart is setting up as a trespassing for all these bodies of the witnesses that have been killed. And he's ready to just like tie a little bow on this story and Tell the cops what needs to be told to just put this all behind them. Uh, who would like to weigh in first, kind of, on the final act of this movie? The escape and again, subversion of expectations and authenticity, all the themes. Kevin, let's go with you. Ah, oh,
2: so no one wants to go first, but I, I will go ahead I will go ahead and do it. So as you alluded to, once they escape the green room, um, we have even more tension, um, in the sense that Even though our Nazis have left, there could be anything around the corner. Uh, They don't give us the sense of them escaping means safety. Um, And then we get the unique choice when they do hear a single gunshot in the woods where um, Pat decides to, for whatever reason, head towards the guns. Um, And I think it's described later as he wants to mess up the crime scene, or I don't know if he wants to see if some of his friends are still alive. Um, I think that's kind of what they were going for. But either way, he decides to kind of go to the crime scene. And it all happens just so super fast with all of the reactions, all of the people that get shot for the various reasons and our final scene. um, Spoilers, we've been talking about this the whole time. But (laughs) um, Sir Patrick Stewart's character has been planning everything so meticulously up until this point where he's left with no other plans and nothing else to do. So he just turns around and walks away in hopes that it mm-hmm. Works out, and it it doesn't work out uh, clearly, uh, but it it was brilliant, and the the final line I know we'll probably get to it right. We haven't really touched on the island song, and that'll probably be a good thing. But yep. it was just snarky and brilliant, and I just really enjoyed the way that they pulled it all together with the chaos versus the order, and the serenity of the forest versus the just massive scene of death. I mean, isn't his best friends, his entire band, is laying dead in front of him. And he just had to murder somebody. And all of the life that comes into his character. And it's, you know, absolutely kind of chilling to to think that this was, you know, Anton Yelchin's last performance before he untimely passed. It was released in April of 2016, and he passed in June of 2016. And you really just... Not that it matters that this is the final performance, but he just did such a great job as the main character and really gave it a, an all for a movie that didn't make a lot of money, for a movie that was underbilled in an in indie art house film for the most part. He absolutely gave a performance that made me believe in, in everything. So uh, for the ending, that's what I want to bring into it, and it was just well acted, um, and we'll touch on it too, but that final mm-hmm. scene with the dog um, mm-hmm. with... The dog running down the the road and putting his head on the the arm of his dead master was soul-wrenching because it's not the dog's fault, right? It's the human's fault, but the dog still is loyal, even to a fault, even to a Nazi. So, people love your dogs. They're wonderful and we don't deserve them.
0: Yep, I was going to touch on and kind of (laughs) ask that question about the emphasis of the dog. Like, why even include that in this movie, but... You kind of already weighed in on that question, so I'm going to get everyone's thoughts kind of on this ending when we're outside the green room, then we're going to go on to I'll ask about your island, deserted island bands, and then we'll get into ratings and very final thoughts. Cole, you're next.
3: I really liked the ending because I also hated it in terms of Like, the whole time, you know, I was hoping for this, like, a revenge thing. And in a way, yeah, they got it, but you don't feel like they really got anything, right? They just survived. All the bad guys, you know, for the most part, died. They killed Patrick Stewart, which, when that, that like, shootout, I thought was, like, again, like a very realistic depiction of something that would happen. And I feel like the ending was also a realistic depiction of two survivors that survived some Terrible that happened to them They lost their friends Yeah they killed the guys that did it But in reality are you gonna feel like You're fucking like on top of the world No fucking life's like it Fucking sucks your friends are dead The people you know you just went through An absolute nightmare And you just feel like shit And you just kind of like sit there shell shocked Like they did at the end And uh, I just I felt like When it first happened I, I really wanted that Cathartic release of those people getting what they deserve but at the same token I'm, I'm glad that they didn't because of the way that this film was portrayed and, and done as almost like a realistic depiction i felt you know i didn't like it but i appreciated it
1: and eric see i think this film is hard the ending is uh really hard for me to have like too. I, i'm very split on my feelings about it because at one point, you know, you kind of feel like this is a horror film, where I feel like in horror films, a lot of them, especially like films with high body counts, you're not supposed to get too connected to any of the characters, and I definitely, we we got connected to uh, the whole band here, we got connected to a lot of the main characters, and when they died, you did, you felt like a loss, you know, you, you did feel like you lost a character you knew, and the end, yeah, you, you there's not really a major catharsis, and in a, A lot of horror films there doesn't exactly need you know unless it's elevated horror like we were talking about with the witch you know a lot of horror films there doesn't exactly need to be a catharsis but that's where to me i felt like this was a drama and like a thriller where i did get connected to these characters and i wanted there to be some kind of catharsis and some kind of final thought on what they all just went through and also on maybe american subculture you know like the whole punk rock scene and also the levels of it you know like skinheads were a part of the uh, punk rock scene really big time in the 70s but so were the dad kennedys and like communists and socialists you know there was i don't know american subculture was a big theme of this film and then in the end it just kind of turned into like this thriller where i don't know we entertained me the whole time i had no major catharsis but boy did it entertain the hell out of me and so that's where i feel very split Where I think I liked it a lot, but is that going to, you know, move it up to one of the best day 24 films I've seen of all time or anything? I don't think so. And I'll give my rating later to further expand on that. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where the ending left me.
0: Yeah, I liked when just the scene change from this room, this green room, that is a bit claustrophobic, you feel very trapped. They return to it again and again and again. It's nighttime, you can feel the nighttime, you can feel the baddies. And then it opens up and it's green outside, but it's big and it's empty. Not empty, but there's possibilities. And I like the realism of that shootout that we kind of touched on where there's so many times when I watch a movie and people have guns and you clearly have a bad guy in front of you and then they talk for too long. This one did not do that for me which i appreciated so i quite liked that but i also found the face paint and the war tactics between these two characters by the end got a little cheese ball and we're talking like this could be a very real thing and i don't know if i really appreciated that as much for the ending and i didn't like our final thoughts from our main character just like i thought of my I thought of my deserted island band. Tell someone who cares. It's like, that's, okay, that's that's what we're going to end on. All right. <laughs> so for me, ending, fine, whatever. I like the walk away that Kevin kind of touched on from the big leader. Like everything's taken care of. Something will happen to these guys. If Either way, I'm not going to give them the dignity of seeing my face if I do get shot, if they have the courage. So I liked that choice as well. Speaking of deserted island bands, this is something that's asked at the beginning of the movie, and like I said, is asked at the end. I'm gonna throw it right back to Eric, and you are on a deserted island. What's the one band that you have?
1: So, since I had a day, kind of a day to think about this, uh, from when I watched it, I definitely thought about it way more than, uh, any of these characters did, and I'm like, okay... What's a band I'd like to listen to on a deserted island that has a large discography and also a range of songs that, you know, like I get a lot of different uh, sounds and song textures in a way uh, that I can constantly enjoy for the rest of my life. I'm going to go with LCD Sound System. Uh, I can dance and party to LCD with LCD Sound System, but then they also have like uh, kind of more house music kind of songs and songs that make me think. They also are really good at covering songs, too, and so if I wanted to kind of get more of my feelings, I, I think they could do that for me, too, so I'm going to go with LCD Sound System.
0: Yeah, what I like about this question is it's not, like, about the impression that you want to give to somebody, like, my favorite band is this, because of the cool factor. It's, like, legitimately to me and only me, this is important, so good, good answer, Eric. Blaze, you're next.
4: Oh boy, so I'm so glad Kevin even brought this up this afternoon in our group chat because I wasn't like the obvious like question I wasn't thinking of. (laughs) So I've I've thought about it a lot. That's mostly what I've been thinking about since I got off of work. And my music, my love of music is constantly evolving. I feel like who I was even two years ago, I listened to completely different music than I do now. And I, I love that about myself. But when it comes to this desert island, like who's the, one, who's the one guy that's had my back my entire life since I started listening to him? And so I got to thinking, and I was like, Billy Joel, scenes from an Italian restaurant. I always can go back to that. It's a nice, safe. I love that album so much. He's the greatest person to ever come out of Long Island. So if that, there's some sand on Long Island, that's the desert island I want to be on, baby. I was really so expecting you to say
1: Machine Gun Kelly.
0: <laughs> 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 That's a good one. That's a very oh, good one, uh, Kevin. Geez. You're next.
2: All right. So, for me, I thought this question was going to be a lot harder than it turned out to be. <laughs> I honestly, I started thinking, I'm like, man, there's so much out there. How can I decide? And then I looked at my leg and I realized that I have a, a tattoo of three dancing skeletons on it. And uh. the answer very much is clear for me that the Grateful Dead will be the, my Desert Island band um, for so many reasons other than the obvious that they're just, you know, the Grateful Dead. Uh, their discography, like Garrett talked about, is massive and wide-ranging. They played from the 60s into the 90s. You know, Jerry Garcia is a god among so many people. Um, they play blues. They play jam music. They play psychedelic rock. They play everything in between. Their ability to jam on riffs and live concerts and everything under the sun, and then, of course, everything that Jerry meant to, to the music industry in general. Grateful Dead is my quick and easy answer. I uh, love them for life. So,
0: Fair, fair. Cole, you or me next? You pick. Uh, I'll
3: go. You know, you're the host, so we'll save the best for last. But, um, you know, if we go by, like, just sheer volume and discography... Um I mean you really got to go with Weird Al Yankovic, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I had so much to tag him. In, in
2: the real we will inevitably make of this quote cuz that's awesome. But um, if we're that's
3: going
2: That's how off, you get uh, off the
4: <laughs> island really fast, I guess. If you boat you off the island. If we're, um
3: if we're going off of like my music taste and especially in the last few years um a band that, like, I don't like, I don't know. So a lot of people don't seem to know about, but I really, really like them. Is uh, Barnes Courtney? I'm a really big fan of them. I like their music a lot. They're, uh, I don't know. They don't have the biggest biggest discography, but I just, I really enjoy their music a lot.
0: It's just, Fair bar- enough. Barnes- I'm not Courtney. familiar myself.
3: Yeah, Barnes Courtney. Okay, so separate.
1: So. Not Courtney Barnett. Barnes Courtney. Nope. Okay, Barnes Courtney. 99
3: okay. okay. uh, is an amazing song. Look it up definitely worth the recommendation uh side note uh i think that pat's desert song or desert like uh you know artist is the dead kennedys that was my theory after he came up with the nazi punks and all that stuff i thought he was probably a dead kennedy guy that's just my thoughts
0: i think yeah the movie ends with what and CCR. Revival. Yeah. yeah. That's, so the, easy one. That, that's, that's like, the easy one. So I kind of thought it might be that, because that's more, like, That's the easy That's more shameful if you're a punky guy to not admit it. But then in the end,
1: like, uh, what, Sam? She just says, like, Simon and Garfunkel, and Simon somebody else is Prince. It's like, yeah, yeah deep down, we, we love our pop music still, you know?
2: And then mm-hmm. when was Madonna or... Uh, or Slayer. Or yeah,
1: Slayer,
0: yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, kind of... In that wheelhouse. I feel like for me, it's like gut reaction has to be kind of the one. So, my Desert Island band is one that I don't tell people I like anymore, but meant a lot to me, and that's Fallout Boy. There are many albums. Well, there's two to three that uh, were like sh- amazing, like perfect, and then there's like two to three that. I don't so much love and even one that I've never listened to because I got so mad at them, but it's all the original band members. So if I was on an island, I guess I'd finally have to give it a listen. They've put out a single recently. They're getting back to their roots with putting a new flavor on it. So as much as I'd love to name a cooler band or show off how much metal music I like, I have to say at the end of the day, it's <laughs> gonna be Fall Out Boy. Almost Lady Gaga, but it's Fall Out Boy. <laughs>
1: It's gotta be the band that you would be okay being stuck with, you know, on the desert island Mm -hmm. and, like, listening to them constantly for the rest of your life. And And
2: never having anything else. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I could do it. Yeah. I know it in my gut. They could probably cover some weird weird
1: stuff, too.
0: Weird Al is funny. I like the idea of picking a band that would motivate you to leave the island. That's a good (laughs) strategy, too. (laughs) Give me the complete
4: works of Enya, please. This is good.
0: (laughs) All right, Uh, if you have been a listener to our show, at the end of this, we all give our individual ratings on a letter grade with A24 being an A all the way down to F, including E's. So with that said, it's time for us to give kind of our final thoughts and our ratings. So do I have a volunteer? I'll
1: go first, sure. Um, So like what I was talking about earlier with kind of the, dichotomy of this movie uh between a horror thriller or a drama thriller uh it's hard to distinguish between the two and judge it accordingly uh but at the same time you know all the things that i love judging movies by cinematography acting um writing and uh music you know and the texture of the film as they would say massively succeeded in all those things up until the ending when it kind of fell flat on the catharsis uh and if i think what the director you know this is where the death of the author uh, i'm going to try to guess the intention of the director which i maybe shouldn't do but uh the intention of the director i think was to create more of a horror thriller kind of film and you know i i think he succeeded on that very well and the kind of uh would you say the ending is almost nihilistic? And if it was nihilistic, is that maybe the whole uh, idea or kind of catharsis of the film? It's like, you know, we live in a very nihilistic world, maybe? That'd
4: be, yeah. that'd be very punk. That'd be very exactly. Punk.
1: And just saying, like, I don't give a shit. That's very nihil- nihilist, you know? And uh, we're nihilists, Mr. Lebowski. We <laughs> we believe, <laughs> we believe in, nothing, in nothing, you
0: know? We believe and so, in
1: nothing. Because of that, you know, I'm actually going <laughs> to say maybe I did come so away... Good. It wasn't a very illuminating catharsis, but a catharsis <laughs> that maybe I'm okay with. So, I'm going to give this film a A-. minus, a-. A-24 for me.
0: Very good. Blaze, you are next. <clears throat>
4: okay, so if this had been my first time watching this film, I would be completely on board with Eric and I kind of get his catharsis of the catharsis Um, but at the same time and and I know this director like he really loves punk rock he really loves horror and he really loves thrillers and I think he really hates Nazis so I think you know I think that's a great stand-up person just just to start off with um i thought the cinematography was very good again uh to go back to another movie we reviewed uh drop the green just the room uh for a uh film that just takes place in like one location thank you. Um, (laughs) I, i think they did a really good job of making me not feel bored um and that's very hard for even you know the standard thriller or the standard uh horror film to do so they, they check a lot of boxes off for me, but still at the end, I really wanted it to be that, you know, that revenge. Um, you know, I wanted Patrick Stewart to feel the pain that he inflicted upon uh, Anton. I wanted Chekhov to get his revenge of a card, and it never really, like, panned out. And my other, like, I guess I wouldn't call it an issue because I'm personally for it, because I'm a degenerate. I love sick, twisted shit. I think that the gore is amazing and I think the gore is really well put, but this is also not your grandma's film. So you can't really recommend it to everyone that you know. Since this is my second time watching it and I can really critically like delve into it, it's it's gonna be more it's it's gonna be more of a B twenty four for me. And that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It doesn't mean that it's the greatest A twenty four movie of all time, but it, it fits really nice into a niche of, you know, if this is your type of movie, this is probably going to blow your freaking mind. If it's not, you're probably really going to hate it. Like, if I, Not that I think Kevin would hate it, but I wouldn't recommend this movie to Kevin, knowing how he feels about blood, gore, and horror. So, with that being said, it's going to be a B-24. Good movie, not great.
0: I'm going to sandwich myself in the middle here, since I went last on the island bands. <laughs> so... For me, I really like this movie, I'll say that, and I don't even know what all I want to touch on. As your humble narrator, I didn't write down all of my pros and cons as I usually do, so we're going off. I think that our characters, we kind of touched on how they are introduced to us with a lot of show not tell, and I think on previous episodes, I've told you guys in a movie, I think that's very important, and that does a lot for me. I think that the use of empathy is really clear right away for these kind of characters, even what we're calling our middle manager skinhead. There's some empathy for him there, too. I think that that's really impressively done with what we're given, and I think that their writing in this movie is extremely, extremely strong, um, down to the smallest details and just some really like quotable quotable moments I think that even with the violence the suspense and the thriller aspect there's this humor in it as well and I don't know if that's caught by everyone but it's something that I appreciate up until the end and then it's just a little a little too obvious um so that part is a great thing I think it's a beautiful movie the cinematography is just like stunning and it's I've used this word before but it's velvety it's tactile and then it's gritty and it's Grimy, and you can feel this movie. And we've talked about the juxtaposition of the fast paced, what I thought the whole movie would be, just like super punky kind of like way of clipping this whole movie together. And then the opposite is shown as well. So it makes the intense parts feel that much more powerful. I think where this movie lacks for me is in the ending. I think that leading up to the ending, and even by the time that our two survivors are in the basement doing their whole way of outsmarting those last two lackeys. For me, at that point, I'm starting to get a little bit tired, and that might just be a me problem. So, I think that the front half of this movie is one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and I think the back half is just a good movie. So, the last thing that I want to touch on is something that we've kind of been talking about too, which was the authenticity. and. Also, just like the intensity of being a punk and being in that kind of world is so shown through this medium. So our writer-director, I think I would love to see a lot more work from him. Like, I thought that this was really, really good. So all these thoughts put together in the way that I am, because it didn't pull me through the entire movie with that really high standard that was set, B plus 24 from me. Cole, you're next. Okay.
3: Um, <clears throat> so you guys touched on a lot of the like uh, the good aspects, of, you know, cinematography, the acting, the general vibes that this movie pulls off, and, and the really grounded approach to a like horror scenario that is one that you know you can you know really see happening and how it unfolds and, and all that stuff. I thought they did a fa- like a phenomenal job with. With all of that, um, also you know, Big Justin is a man after my own heart. Where he goes through and explains to them that they're not bullets; they're cartridges. There's not six bullets. There's actually five because it's a you know a Taurus revolver. He also said he's
1: going to pot all of them too, though yeah
3: so yeah. like a man, at, a man of cold he just heard <laughs>
4: he just heard but, Reese wrong That's all yeah. Reese. but
3: uh no I like uh I love that aspect of it, it really warmed my heart when you he just corrected them on improper terms <laughs> you know uh seeing Patrick Stewart as like a, a bad dude was awesome like really really happy to see that um There was, uh, you know, nine dead Nazis in this film. Most dead Nazis in any A24 film that we've seen to date, so that's a big plus. That's a plus. That gets a whole letter Um, grade. Yeah. Uh, My favorite color is green, so big ups for that. (laughs) However, not a green room. Uh, I was very confused as to why it was called that. Later Googled it, found out I'm just a dummy when it comes to (laughs) other things, and uh, Green Room is referred to the room (laughs) behind stages. So did not know that. that. No, no idea. I was like, the whole entire time, I'm like, When's this fucking green room? I thought when they broke into the basement, that was going to be like this weird room that was all fucking green. It's
2: going to be magically green?
3: No. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I just, uh, you know, I never did, never was in a band, never that's did musics, so never did musicals. That's awesome. None of that stuff, so fuck it, never do any of that. So that's something uh, that I learned and, uh, you know, and better for it. So, you know, really mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, all in all, I love this movie. I thought it was very good. A little issue that i had which was there was just a a landline in the room at one point so uh when they were talking about the phone and stuff uh it's like towards the beginning when they have big justin all tied up amber's just talking and they're literally talking about not having a phone and there's just a landline sitting next to her so little little try a little you know could have fixed that but otherwise love this movie it's like the vibes the feeling everything was phenomenal um I'm gonna give it a B plus. Can't quite give it an A, but man oh man, I did. Did I like this movie a lot?
0: Thank you, and thank you for your bravery to admit that you didn't know what a green room was to start, but now you'll never forget. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm all, yeah, apparently, apparently everyone else knew. So I was kind of hoping I would have some support. Instead, I got some laughs, which you know, we'll, we'll move
4: it's on. <laughs> it's almost the
0: same thing. Your almost. ass just got clipped, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kevin, wrap it up. All right
2: wonderful so you all did an eloquent job of uh kind of giving all the wonderful pros and cons of this film so i don't think i have too much to touch on but um as blaze pointed out i am not overly a fan of the horror genre uh in general uh thrillers and chase movies and the typical slasher trope is just not my my bag so going into this and i knew that it was going to be intense with a bunch of you know gore and drama and all that jazz i was like oh man i'm gonna need a movie buddy to watch this guy but i'd soldiered on and i watched it on myself and i think i'm better for it as i kind of continue this a24 project and i'll get to the movie here in a short minute but it's really cool to get to new things that i haven't dealt with or seen before and this movie subverted my expectation completely i thought it was going in to be this slasher hacker and it came out to be a lot more smart um uh, more of a an intentional um, or intentional Uh, passion project on that subculture that we touched on um, the punk scene in general and kind of just a a cool character story that we get Um, i won't go too much farther on the cinematography other than it was beautiful the high-ranging shots with the the overarching uh, trees versus all of the dinginess of the actual club itself was just brilliant um, Kelly, you had talked about quotable moments there and there was one line that I pulled out that I want to touch on here and it's from our, our, our karate drummer. Um, and he basically says, well, we won't all live, but maybe we won't all die. Mm-hmm. And I, through the movie, I kind of thought that was the way they were going to go. They were going to knock off a whole bunch of them, but at the end we were going to have at least somebody standing tall. Um, and I liked that they gave me a reason to care about those people as they were going towards the end. Um... For a movie that deals with boots and braces as a right-wing subject matter, they did a really good job of not being political with their subject matter and just allowed the viewer to kind of see for itself. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought that was brilliant in general. Uh, The scenery was was well done. The acting was well done. uh, Everything about this just was higher than what i was expecting which is great the only downsides which i will have to go into a little bit is i thought the choice to have uh patrick stewart on the other side of a door for the majority of his monologue kind of took away from some of those points for me it was a little more muffled than i would have liked to have kind of the clarity on the negotiations um and then uh, just kind of um, just maybe the gore in general was fine but maybe just a little bit so in the end it gets a b plus for me it was very good um but it wasn't the best thing i've ever seen and it's still in that genre that i don't particularly like so it gets a b plus for that anyway but sir patrick stewart was fantastic and uh, i will recommend it to people because i think they need to see it uh, in general for for many different reasons but it's a very good movie uh, so listeners go watch the green room it was great
0: hmm. and thank you everybody for listening and tuning into our show if you like what you hear and I hope you did. Please review us and rate us highly on things, and we will uh, thank you ourselves personally. We will come to your door if you so request it.
2: Yep. I mean, so, not in a creepy way, but
0: yeah. <laughs> Nazi punks, fuck off!
4: Fuck Woo! off, Nazi punks! Fuck you, Nazi punks!